This is a Kitty Pod production. From Television City in Hollywood. Hey, man! Betty Booyah! Welcome to episode number 145 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes, and the first episode of this podcast of the year 2022. Holy shit, I can't believe I just said that. My, how time flies. But just the same, I'm your host, Jason Bullitt. The regulator, innovator, dominator, creator, a theta, plus the imitator, assassinator, baby. I'm the man the hour, the man with the power. Woo! Too sweet to be sour, Jack. And once again, I'm coming to you from the rolling and not snow-covered hills of Saratoga County, New York. Recording this first part on Sunday, the 2nd of January, 2022. I hope all of you had a great holiday season. You know, Christmas, New Year's and all that. I'm going to get into what I did and what I didn't do because of this Omicron variant just running roughshod. Like, Hulk, what you going to do, brother? One Omicron variant running wild. Running wild in the streets of the Keep It To Yourself podcast. Hopefully not. But I'll tell you what little I did during the holiday season. I don't know if it's going to be worth going into excruciating detail, but there you have it right there. Let's get to the social media quickly now. On Twitter, you can follow this podcast at keep underscore podcast. There's also the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page, and coming sometime in the new year, the old kitty pod's going to get itself an Instagram feed, page, whatever. I'm going to get an IG account. That's what the kids say, I think. So... There'll be three outlets for social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the Holy Trinity. I might be going into the metaverse for all I give a shit. Baby, baby. Well, folks, I hate to start a new year on a sad note, but I have to do it here. There have been a couple of notable obituaries that have happened since last I spoke and you listened. First off, I want to start with a big one. That was actress Betty White. Betty White passed away on New Year's Eve day. She was 99 years old, died in her sleep that morning, and what a tremendous career she had. She worked right up to the end. She even became the oldest actress or oldest person ever to host Saturday Night Live, doing so when she was at the ripe age of 88. She had a great career, worked for many decades. I first got to know her on the Golden Girls way back when. She was, those four are reunited now in the afterlife. She, along with Rue McClanahan, B. Arthur, Estelle Getty, all four of them are really enjoying themselves in the hereafter right now. They're really whooping it up, those four old gals. But previously, she was also on the Mary Tyler Moore show. She had a nice supporting role on that sitcom back in the 70s. She was even married to game show host Alan Ludden. Betty never remarried after Alan Ludden passed away. So rest in peace to Betty White. As a sports fan, it's been tough enough with COVID and everything. The sports scene's been getting disrupted. Because that's when Omicron was really starting to take off when I dropped the last episode. You know, holiday celebrations left and right. New Year's was getting disrupted. But football fans really took it in the shorts with two massive obits. One of which happened just yesterday as I record this. Dan Reeves passed away on New Year's Day. First obit of the new year at age 77. Guy coached the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants. Heck, he was coached of the Giants when they started training camp at SUNY Albany. I was a Buffalo Bills fan at the time. I kind of left that fandom and went to Big Blue. I wish I'd stuck around with the Bills. They had years of pain. 
Boy, and what I get for switching sides, bandwagoning it. But per Arjua. So rest in peace to Dan Reese. But the big one beforehand was John Madden. This is an influential figure in professional football. Played football in college, never did in the NFL, but he was more well-known as a coach back in the 1970s when the Las Vegas Raiders were then in Oakland. Silver and black defense whooped up on the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl Nine. Then he went to become a color commentator, and that's how many in my generation got to know him. And also, not only with being paired with the late, great Pat Summerall and another broadcasting legend, Al Michaels, towards the end of you know his commentating career. Man's not Michaels. Pronouns, pal. Thanks, Vince. Happy New Year. Day one. Anyway, uh, John Mann also made a name for himself among gamers in the gaming community, the Madden series of NFL video games. I remember when I was 11 years old, my parents gifted me a Sega Genesis video game system. And among the games that I had gotten, among the, the two Sonic the Hedgehog games, I got NHL 94, which is considered the greatest single video game of its genre ever. And also Madden NFL 94, that turned me onto the franchise. The last time I got one was, I think it was Madden 2007 for PlayStation 2. So... There you have it right there. Three big losses, one in the world of entertainment, two in the world of sports, professional football specifically. May all of these great people and all that we lost in the past year, 2021, rest in amazing, amazing peace. Sick Transit, Gloria Mundi. All right, folks, now that we got the sad stuff out of the way, let's get to the happy stuff. Well, by comparison, at least. By getting to the vanity portion of this episode, by the way, as has been the case the last five years, or the four preceding, I should say, the first episode of the new year does a recap of how I spent my holiday season. And with the Omicron variant running roughshod, as I've mentioned at the top of the show, it was a holiday season that hit a little different. Okay, it actually hit a lot different than any of the ones that came before it. Now, we've had the good, we've had the bad here. We'll start with the good. I finished my last workday before the holidays on Thursday, the 23rd of December. That's 2021. Two days after we had a nice little holiday luncheon, ugly sweater contest. Didn't win a thing, but there was a, uh, a hearing impaired person who took the whole thing down. I was staying next to her. So I had that prime rib for lunch thanks to my boss's side hustle. This restaurant in Troy called the Ironworks. Shout out. Happy New Year. My boss is one of the greatest people out there. Also, he gave us a holiday bonus for the second year running. And I checked my pay stub earlier. We are now making $14 an hour. So we got another hour, uh, dollar raise per hour. So making some serious coin. Really appreciative of that. So back to the th lecture at hand here. So Thursday night, sometime after I get done, we originally... Want to meet up with Adam Parada at 8 o'clock. And by we, I mean I. Oh, God damn it. Oh, Vince, quit getting off my ass in 22, will you? Well, Adam texted me and said, Hey, I got to get Joe Bruno on the show. And we were going to record the Holiday Shit Fest. And speaking of that episode, thanks to everybody who listened. That was quite a rocking discussion. Even it went back and forth between Zoom and my first in-person interview since, well, oddly enough, the 2019 Holiday Shift Fest, where it was just Apes and I for part one, and then the three trouble doers were at it again for 
part two. Well, this was a split decision this episode, and we had a nice high old time. We met up at Druthers. We talked holiday movies, and then once we stopped rolling sound, the drinking and the conversation continued. In fact, for only the second time we've been in the establishment, we managed to shut down the bar, all three of us. I mean, the person working our part of the bar said, hey, listen, if you want to order a drink, you better do it now because this is last call. We're shutting it down. And I'm thinking back to a few years ago, and this is long before the pandemic, when it was the three of us, Adam's brother, Tom Peretti, and Tim Noonan, night after Christmas, we're all assembled at Druthers, same deal. The manager comes up to us and tells us the same thing. Hey, listen, if you're going to order a drink, you better do it now because we're going to close the bar pretty soon. We're going to send everybody home for the night. I couldn't believe it. That's twice in the same same bar that we managed to shut her down. I mean, they were shutting the TVs. Adam looked. They had some kind of lesser bowl game on. And once the bartender started shutting off the TVs, that was our cue to, all right, we sell the tab. Let's go on to the next place. So... We sallied forth to Henry Street Tap Room, got more of a buzz on, and at that point I decided I better go home, wish the guys Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays and all that. Went home, didn't really do much Christmas Eve, I did go grocery shopping, actually I didn't, I went Sunday because, you know, all the grocery stores were going to be closed the next day and it was going to be busy full of last minute shoppers. So, I didn't really do much of anything on Christmas Eve day. Just waited for my dad and his companion to come home. Had a nice supper. I forget what we had, but we went and got lasagna for the next day. Now, we arrive on December 25th, Christmas morning, 2021. And here's where things start to go south. About 9 o'clock in the morning, my dad and his companion went over to visit some of her kinfolk, leaving me at the house for various parts of the day. The original plan was to go over to my sister's house, and I would spend part of the afternoon with my sister, her husband, and my nephew. And then I would come back here, have some more quiet time, and then Dan and his companion would come back, and then the rest of the family would come over. We had presents under the tree, which has since been taken down. All the holiday decorations are gone. So just after 9 o'clock, I get a text from my sister wishing me Merry Christmas. I respond right back. Hey, Merry Christmas. I'll see you in a little while. A few minutes later, she texts me and says, uh, just to give you a heads up, your nephew isn't um, in the best of condition. You know, got a cold or something. He's fine. We're not testing for COVID unless he's running a fever. So initially I said, well, I'm still going to come over. I'll just be masked up. I'll keep my distance. And everything will be all hunky-dory. But then at 11 a.m., I ruminated a little bit. I texted my dad, a little exchange with him. And then I decided, I'd rather not risk my health. What with this new variant going on? So I said, sorry, I won't be coming over. And my brother-in-law texted back, it's understandable. You know, Merry Christmas. Hopefully we'll be back over the house. Which they didn't do. I'm like, it also stands to reason they didn't come over the house during Christmas night and open up their presents. So what me, dad, and his companion did, all three of us exchanged presents between all three of us, made out like a bandit, man. Uh, spoilers. Did good initially, got Dollar Tree gift cards, Northshire Bookstore, Cumberland Farm. Oh, wait, I got that for my birthday. Oops. 
discussed that in the last episode. So did pretty well. So we waited six days for uh, the rest of the family to come over. I'll tell that later. But here's where things go further south still. The next day, my dad's companion, we're going to travel deeper into Massachusetts. She has family that lives uh, in the North Shore of the state. Any further north, they'd be in New Hampshire. And they're all dressed up. They're all ready to go. And then news uh, comes out that part of her family had gotten coronavirus. They weren't feeling good. Like, I think I spoiled the ending right there. You know, there was coughing in one of the mild symptoms. The Omicron variant had come for close to the Bullet family. It get close to home. They wound up not going that day. So instead of having a house to myself for, well, part of the day for the third day running, it was just the three of us stuck at the house. So we tried as best we could. And then later on the week, their at-home tests were bought here at the house. I took one on Wednesday before I went shopping. I got Boscov's gift cards, by the way. I'm like, I got $150 worth of these bad boys, and I hope I don't have to go online and spend them. Well, got one of these at-home tests. 15 minutes later, came back negative. That was a positive. At that point, that was a cue for Dad and my dad's companion to head back to North Adams, Massachusetts, not where they're going to go on Sunday. Stayed away from that part of the family. Just kept it in town. Meanwhile, I just did some more shopping and did as best I could. And it turned out they went to a testing site in Bennington, Vermont, en route back home to North Adams. And from what I heard, it was a 45-minute wait, but they just were able to keep the cars moving in and out. You know, get them in there, do the test, get out. Now, they had the swab test like I did where you stick it so far up your nose it's gonna you think it's gonna poke a hole in the roof of the brain well it would take about i think 48 hours or so but they got it back in a lot shorter time both came back negative thankfully and so all is well in the bullet land and at bullet house in the rolling hills and the berkshires too so there was that new year's eve end of 2021 a crappy ending to an otherwise moderately good year at least in comparison to 2020 rest of the family comes home, well, my dad initially, then my sister, husband, and nephew finally come over about 1 o'clock, open the rest of the presents, my nephew got old school NFL trading cards, like my brother-in-law got when, you know, when he was a much younger person, I got some more uh, Target gift cards, I got some more stuff there, uh, you know, uh, like that, well, not Boscos, but... <laughs> North Shore Bookstore, $100. Got a hundo. I made like a bandit. Man, that's going to keep me away from the alleys for quite a while. Not to brag about where I go grocery shopping, but there you have it. So thankfully, with just mere hours left in 2021, we were able to put Christmas in the rearview mirror. Now, also, what I planned to do that night was go to a friend's house in Albany and ring in the new year that way. First time in two years. I looked at the number of people that were going on the event's Facebook page. And once I said to myself, well, that looks like a bit too many. But once it gets to 10, me included, I'm going to back out. So I woke up the morning of New Year's Eve, checked the Facebook. It said 10 people, me included, were signed up to attend. And at that point, I just said, you know what? Not happening, Captain. I had to tell the host, like, all right, too many people and not that big of a space. 
Don't want to get sick. I'm pulling out. Happy New Year. And so that was it, man. What I was going to bring to the party, I wound up having here at the house. And I rang in 2022 with Mystery Science Theater 3000, pausing briefly to watch the ball drop from Times Square in New York City. 15,000 people due to the virus, but bigger crowd than last year where they didn't have anybody at all, but nowhere near where it was pre-pandemic. So there it is. Stop the MST3K, fired up YouTube TV, put on our ABC affiliate, watched the ball dropped from Times Square. Happy New Year 2022. Went to bed at about 1 o'clock in the morning. And then the first weekend of 2022 was spent mostly at the house, but wound up meeting up with Messrs. Parada and Bruno. This time we went to Cantina and then made our way to... We were going to go to Harvey's for the second act, but instead we went to Bailey's. We didn't exactly shut it down there. Or at the other place. They were cleaning up the bar while we were, you know, talking and drinking and shooting the shit. And then we went to Bailey's. And that's where we wrapped it up. I gave Adam and Joe my best wishes for this new year. Then went back to Saratoga. Put a big old dent in the $100 Northshire Bookstore gift card. Got some great books. One about how to play chess. I've really gotten into that this past year. All thanks to the Netflix series The Queen's Gambit. And got some other books as well. David Sedaris's Barrel Fever. If I'm still doing this podcast by this time next year, I'll have a recording of the Santa Land Diaries. The whole mother friggin' thing. Those were among the great purchases I made at North Shore Bookstore. There's still some money left, so there'll be some more trips coming as we get to the early parts of 2022. And that's how I spent or didn't spend my holiday season. You're welcome. All right, friends. You probably have a disappointing feeling down the pit of your stomach after hearing that last segment. So in an attempt to lighten up the mood, it's time to answer the TK Little's Smart and Funny Facebook page Friday 5. The last one of 2021 was brought to us by Brendan Jones, alias Brendan in Jersey. For a guy who's one of the Littles, he's got a name that would make him a great caller and contributor to the Jim Rome show. Clones. Could you believe this? This guy here. Steal my thunder a little bit. You tell somebody to listen to my show, but you listen to somebody else's. It's not cool. It's not fresh. It sucks. All right, that's enough Jim Rome for one episode. We're sticking with Tony Kornheiser here, and we're going to do the Friday Five. And this is question number one on that whole deal. He says, scrolling through. I try uh, There's a little transparency here before we get going. I hate to delay this any further, but... I tried opening on the Facebook page. I'm recording on my phone on Anchor FM. No sooner do I get going, cuts me right off. Well, guess what? I went to my web browser and opened this thing, so let's get this puppy going. A lot better this time around. Question number one. What's your favorite local musical act that never made it, or otherwise unsigned if you never had a local music scene? Perhaps a band you saw during college or military service. Describe them. And as a bonus question, did you ever see a major musical act before they were, they became big? Well, I didn't read this verbatim. Where and when, if so? Well, Brandon says there was this band called the Super Specs, later known as just the Specs, who were a third-wave ska band. Though, like so many of their peers, by the end of their tenure, there was next to nothing left of the pick-it-up vibe of the 90s. And they were pretty much just alt-rock with horns. 
And as a bonus answer, probably the closest he'll get to seeing a band before they hit it big was seeing On Berlin at a music festival in 2003. Technically, they already had an album and a record deal, but it was, already, it was a few years before they were being featured on video game soundtracks. How about that? Well, going through here, I'll give you mine. How about this? Uh, Bobby Godfrey, the bonus question, saw at that time a small local band called OAR of a Revolution at the 930 Club in high school. The next year, they were headlining Madison Square Garden. Now, I wasn't around to see U2 in Albany before they hit it big, because the next time they hit Cap City, they'd be playing what's now known as the MVP Arena downtown. Well, I can't answer the latter part, but I'm going to give an answer here. And Well, thankfully, this past year was my high school's 20th reunion, so I said, well, I'm going for the Callan Sisters. And they're a unique guitar and harp back from just up the road in Saratoga. In fact, the elder sister, Jessica Callum, was a classmate of mine. We were also in the band and homeroom as well. She was quite the looker, though. Unfortunately, I had an eyeful of Meg Bryson in front of me. So any attempts to get some play with Jess Callum were nil, no, and void. I'm like, well, I got one in front of me, but I got one at the 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, somewhere right around that area. Jessica's little sister, Beth, was a year behind her. She graduated in 02 from Saratoga High. Jess and I graduated in 01. Not part of the band, but Megan Bryson, after sophomore year of high school, moved to Massachusetts. Oh, per Arjua. All right, question number two. What's a short-lived or otherwise discontinued snack and or drink that you wish had never left? And a bonus question. Did a discontinued snack or drink you enjoyed ever make a comeback, even if just a one-off encore? Well, I put in simply high C Ecto Cooler. A lot of guys said Snapple. I remember Crystal Pepsi or Pepsi Clear back in 1993. Well, Scott Moffat said Snapple once made a clear root beer. A little outside of their wheelhouse, but it was good. And answer the bonus question and said, also Sprite needs to go back to making regular cranberry Sprite instead of that disgusting spiceberry junk for Christmas. How <laughs> do you like that? Brian Becker says, Fanta used to make a root beer that I really liked, but it was discontinued in the 90s. Speaking of soft drinks, I don't know if they still have Mr. Pibb or Tab. Those are, you know, Coke used to make those. Those were gone. Mr. Pibb was like Coca-Cola's answer to Dr. Pepper. Well, uh, Brian Kissel said, Utz, Tabasco, Flair, Popcorn. No thanks on both grounds. I don't like popcorn and too spicy. How about this? I don't know how I feel about this. Mike Kubitschek says, Snyder's Coney Island Chips. They were awesome. Tasted like hot dogs and mustard. And one of the few novelty chips that actually did taste like what they claimed to taste like. I'm our Allie's bring this back sometimes. It was uh, Cuban pork sandwich flavored chips. I gave them in the limited buys aisle. National hot chicken would be too intense for your boy. All right, question number three. What's a movie that isn't a part of the general audience canon? Use your common sense. But if it were up to you, it would be. Bonus question, similar but not quite the same. What's a lesser-known movie from a well-known director that you enjoy as much as their better-known work? Well, I couldn't answer the first question, so I decided to go for the bonus round. And I put in trading places. You have to go back. To the last episode, we did the holiday shit fest. Adam Parada and Joe Bruno really bandied that about. And I considered 
portraying places in this form to be the most underrated movie of John Landis's work. Still holds up to this day. I mean, John Landis, the guy who directed The Blues Brothers, Animal House. I think he did one of the Superman movies, if I'm not mistaken. But Train Place is a severely underrated movie, in my opinion, and I'm sure Adam Parada will back me up. In fact, he got me turned on to the darn thing, for heaven's sake. Anthony Beeson said, Ha, I rewatched Dinner for Schmucks this morning and I can't help it. I like it. Considered mediocre by almost everyone else. I guess that makes me a schmuck. Steve Tissier said, Dead men don't wear plaid with Steve Martin. There you go. All right, what else here? The Late Shift from Bill Pitcher. Don't know why I just find myself watching it every now and then. I miss David Letterman. Me too. Anita Richardson Archuleta said, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, Steve Martin. There you go. Used Car says, Joe Magnu. Jeff Russell film. Great one-liners. It makes me laugh every time. Bonus, not director since I don't pay attention to direction, but Johnny Dangerously and Gung Ho were two Michael Keaton movies I liked over most of his well-known work, including Batman. Well, well, well. <laughs> okay, what else we got here? All right, I think we're going to move on. Uh, Mystery Men. Here we go. Jeff Kenton said, I always like Mystery Men because each of the main characters are so very earnest and trying hard. That's Robert Townsend joint, isn't it? And the douchebags get their comeuppance. Sorry for the stumble there. And most of the stars are much better known now. It's a good one. So, all right, well, they were unknown back when it came out. I believe it was 99. But they're well-known nowadays. Household names seem like Kentucky Fried Movie, again, from Mike Kubitschek. All right, question number four. What's a pop culture quote that mean, that meant or means something? Hello, Earl Clark. Happy New Year. What's a pop culture quote that meant or means something in your house, but you've never heard anyone else reference it? Bonus question. What's a pop culture quote you never need to hear again? Well, I couldn't answer the bonus, but I did come up with the answer. I said, just about anything from the Tony Kornheiser show. <laughs> Mike Kubitschek again. He's had some great answers here. <laughs> he said, I have a couple. You're nuts. NVTS nuts. Whenever someone has a less than stellar idea. That's from History of the World Part 1, in case you're wondering. And whenever someone comes up with a, something so it's a good idea, biggest. I think that might also be from the same movie. Oh, I said the former is from History of the World Part 1, and only one person has ever recognized it. The second is from Python's Life of Brian. Sorry, Jamie Julian, for the inane shit. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Mike Kubitschek again responded. Mary Faye Randolph said, I think that was actually Gomer that said that. I think we got to find the original conceit here. Hold on. Oh, here we go. Mary Faye Randolph says, This is really old, but it was something my mom and dad would say. And I eventually understood what it meant and said it too. From the Andy Griffith show, Goober Pyle saw someone do something that he didn't like and ran down the street shouting, Citizens arrest, citizens arrest. Anytime my parents and I saw someone do something like a U-turn in the middle of the street or something else dumb, we'd say, Citizens arrest, citizens arrest. And then Mike Kubitschek responded, I think that was actually Gomer that said that. And did you say it the way he did? Citizens arrest. Citizens arrest. You know, nip it in the bud. <laughs> Going back to Lerman, Chuck Elias says, people, remember, it's an exhibition, not a competition. Please, no wagering. And that was Letterman's intro for Stupid Pet Tricks. <laughs> oh, that one. 
Oh, man. <laughs> Betsy Almond Jaffe, you've won a year's supply of rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. I don't know where that's from. Let's respond to her right now. It says, I'm sure I'll get an answer, but you're not going to hear it because I'll have wrapped up recording by then. I'll be surprised she responds back between now and then. All right, moving on to our last question. As if we haven't dragged this out long enough already. Since this is nominally a group related to a nominal sports show, what is your favorite defunct professional sports franchise, major or minor league? And bonus question. What's an intercollegiate sports program that doesn't exist but wish you did? Or you wish did? Talk much? For example, Navy is a club ice hockey team but not a Division I squad. Hofstra used to play football but not anymore. Well, I responded in the pro ranks, the Montreal Expos. And so did Sam Angel. In fact, you can't see it because this is a podcast because visual media is always great for an audio media. A picture of Tim Raines, one of those old school Expos unis. But in the minor leagues, it's got to be the Adirondack Red Wings. And I think Dad told me, starting from when I was 9, maybe 10 years old, my dad had an in with somebody, I believe with the Saratoga Springs Fire Department, and you say, hey, you're selling like sports, don't he? Yeah, well, I can swing some t- guys to go see the Adirondack Red Wings. Just put some tickets in the will call window or something like that. I don't know how the story exactly goes, but I was a frequent attendee at the Old Glens Falls Civic Center. In fact, when I was in fourth grade, Darren McCarty had the most penalty minutes of his entire career, and he would go on to win four Stanley Cups with the parent squad, the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, Darren McCarty really honed his chops in the Adirondacks when it came to putting on the foil and throwing down with guys on the ice. That was insane. Hartford Whalers, I responded to Betsy Oilman Jaffe. You know, Hartford got shafted by the NHL. But I think Montreal was the most hardest done by, as they say in England. Elliot Olshansky, Seattle Supersonics and Majors. I agree with you there, man. That's the trifecta of sadness right there. So that's going to be it for the Friday Five, the last of 2021, on the first Keep It To Yourself podcast episode of 2022. Hope you enjoyed that. All right, folks, there's some other podcasts to check out. I want to wish Happy New Year to some of my podcasting brethren. First up, well, essentially GFA Live, now Greens from Allentown. Peter Winston and Keith Langston did a live watch of the episode of WWF Superstars that aired January 11th, 1992, coming up on the 30th anniversary of that whole deal. You can follow Peter on Twitter at GF Allentown. The sportscaster is Steve Bennett. Season 11 finale went out with a bang. John Wertheim of Sports Illustrated, SI.com, and comedian Jim Florentine were Steve's guests. And the end of the first season of the 24-inch podcast, No Holds Barred, the movie and the match. I watched that movie for the first time ever, not this past Christmas, but the one before, 2020. You know, the COVID one. You get it. Well, the first COVID one, really, but you get it. Anyway, you can follow Steve Bennett, the host of both these podcasts, at the sports underscore casters on Twitter. The Break It Down show, Pete A. Turner had John Klein former lead guitarist of Sushi and the Banshees. I thought I'd say Sushi and the Banshees. I almost messed that one up, thank God. Arena Sky and Randall Rees were also Pete's guests this past holiday season. 
No holiday for them, just cranking it out. And the Loyal Littles Podcast, Happy New Year to Chuck and Roxy. They had Todd Takei, Steve Tissier, and get this, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Sheehan, old Kip Schmeeman, made an appearance on this podcast. Unfortunately, he didn't give his winter weather outlook, so it's still a great listen, though. You can follow Chuck and Roxy's show at Loyal Littles Pod on Twitter. As for this dog and pony show, we're available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. If your podcatcher has rating and or review capabilities, give me a five-star rating and a good write-up. Thanks in advance for that. And I'll have a new episode pretty soon of my true crime podcast, CR Crime. And not sure what we're going to be talking about, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Just to say, we've got our first episode of 2022, so be on the lookout for that. Alright folks, we've come to this little segment called One More Thing, our first of the new year. And this is where I do one of two things. Either I discuss something that I forgot to mention in the body of the show, or I circle back to something I mentioned earlier on, usually at the top of the show. Well, we're going to get back to something that I decided I declared a premature end of in the last episode. You may recall I went 6-8 and eight in the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock of the Century of the Week with the football picks. Well, guess what? I have not one but two chances to redeem myself going into the NFL playoffs. We'll have pick on those next week. Super duper wild card weekend. My terminology, not the NFL's. Roger Goodell, please don't sue. So, this is week 18 of the National Football League season. First time since 1993 we've had something like this, but now this is going to be on a more regular basis. We got two games from the last weekend of action, all divisional rivalries, some great games going in. Well, some marginally great, but let's, you know, let's be honest. All right. We got playoff positioning, seating on the line, a lot of stuff to get into. Let's get right to it with some appropriate music. Maestro? All right, we're going to start with a Saturday game, and that's the first game of the week, the curtain raiser, if you will, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. They come in at 11-5, taking on the Denver Broncos up in the Mile High City. AFC seeding is on the line. Chiefs currently hold the number one seed in that regard. The Chiefs have had to overcome some early struggles defending AFC champions and Super Bowl champions year before last, it should be noted. Meanwhile, for the Denver Broncos, had Joe Flacco, Teddy Bridgewater, named quarterback here. It's just been a stink fest in the Rocky Mountains. So taking all that into account, Pat Mahomes is going to be firing on all cylinders, 5,280 feet above sea level. But Denver, I think they're going to be game for a game here. They're going to try and play spoiler. Kansas City will win, but the Broncos are going to cover. And in the second game, we've got an AFC South matchup. The Tennessee Titans, 11-5, taking on the lowly Houston Texans. The Titans have had themselves a heck of a run recently. In fact, this is their fourth consecutive winning season under head coach Mike Vrabel, a former linebacker with the New England Patriots, and by dint of that, a many times over Super Bowl champion. Now, the Tennessee Titans can clinch the number one seed. It's on the line, as I mentioned, with the last game. They can beat the Texans, which is the most likeliest outcome of them all. Or, a second scenario, the Broncos play spoiler and... Also, the Bengals and the Patriots lose, 
or a third option. Losses by both the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills get a win against the New York Jets, which seems to be pretty likely as well. It's most likely going to be a win by Tennessee, so on the road, they're going to do it. I'll take them minus 10 and a half points. By the way, that's about the same line for the Broncos Chiefs game, minus 10. Got a backdoor cover on that one. Take the Titans minus the points, though. This is going to be a good news, bad news situation. You beat Houston, which boy, what you're supposed to do. They're the Texans. They stink. Suck ass. However, KC's going to win, so good news. You beat Houston. The bad news, you're not going to get the number one seed. So, the recap, Denver covers against Kansas City. Tennessee wins straight up against Houston. I'll take them minus the points, too. And that'll do it for the 2021 NFL regular season Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks of the Century of the Week. And also, this episode of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the 145th of the series. Thanks for listening. I don't take the audience for granted. Never have, never will. Once again, I wish all of you a happy, safe, and prosperous 2022. May this be the best year of the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. And as always, and above all else, wait for it. Wait for it. Keep smiling. Otis lives. Sit, boo-boo, sit. Good dog. <laughs> hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show is over. Oh, yeah! Kick it! It was a stone groove, my man. You are the most righteous... Yeah, right. Just get the fuck out, man. Let's go. Shit. Come on.